Let me have this. Does the okay, lady who might have given me coronavirus, does she deserve rights? Be honest. <laughs> Caitlin's having a week. <laughs> this week where we talk about the books that we hate to love and love to hate i'm caitlin and i'm savannah and welcome back to our podcast weekly disclaimer we mean no harm to the authors we have no authority to be here we just really like talking about ya novels we have a lot of fun pointing out problematic tropes and problematic characters and problematic plot holes all the whole shebang no stop <laughs> Caitlin enjoys singing, and I apologize in advance, but we also buy a hard copy of the books every week to support the authors, and Caitlin, go off on our reading list. (laughs) Oh, I'll go off. Since these episodes are not spoiler-free, here is an updated book list for the next few weeks. So, on the 1st of April, we have Ignite Me by Tahara Mafi. And on the 15th of April, we have Breaking Dawn by Stephanie Meyer. And, ho oh, ho, girlfriend, I'm so excited for you to hear the conclusion of Bella and Edward and Jacob. I'm so upset that I'm almost, I've almost become a person that's read the whole Twilight series. Like, I never, I never wanted to be that person, but How here we are. Feel? Just digest that for a second. Just think about it, wanna, you know? I'm gonna drink on it. <laughs> I am drinking reds which is actually my new love it's like the only thing i drink now plus the sangria in my fridge i'm drinking passion fruit Lacroix. we just had a conversation where she was like i'm gonna call it lacroix <laughs> this is why we paused for a second after i said Lacroix. <laughs> i'm really glad you didn't i think it's best i don't drink in times like these and we'll mm-hmm. get to that right after a word from our sponsor Hey, thanks, thanks Savannah. future Savannah. Things can't be that bad if she's still around. <laughs> well, while future Savannah might still be around, Caitlin is <laughs> quite literally in quarantine right now. Um, I I just want to let you guys know where like I'm at for this episode. <laughs> this is going to be a rough one. Um, as you all know, I live in Washington, which is essentially ground zero in the United States for the coronavirus. And this whole time I've just been like, oh my god, people are so fucking obnoxious. Everyone's blowing this way out of proportion. Meanwhile, schools are closing. Uh, hospitals are overflowing. You can't get a fucking coronavirus test if your life depends on it, which for some people it literally does. All of these great things. So I kept going into work. I found out that one of our clients that brought in documents, who like came physically into the office, handed us these documents. I was breathed all them. over everything. My bosses were handling them. We found out that she works at a old folks home that has been quarantined since the beginning of the outbreak in Washington. We found out she worked. Heavy there. breathing. And mind you. So we're recording this on March 14th. Um, They didn't start testing people until the 11th of March. And then today when I went and checked the news, 50 of those employees had tested positive for COVID-19. And 
essentially what that means is I grabbed my workstation, <laughs> I put it in my car, and I've been working from home ever since, and I am now on my two-week quarantine. So my mom freaked out and hopped in her car and is driving from Utah to Washington. Which I'm really glad sure about. I don't want you to be alone. I don't either. Because this is like yeah. Elsa and Anna and Frozen. No, it's not like <laughs> Elsa and Anna and Frozen. Savannah, not all roads lead to Frozen. All my roads do. <laughs> do you want to get some groceries? The no, I are out of bread. <laughs> Listen, oh. this is my only contribution. Like, Things are not as bad here in Utah, is what I'm trying to say, yet. I hope it doesn't get that bad. Like, my, my classes have been cancelled, and they're sending us all to work from home, but I'm really grateful that I have a job where I can work from home, because I know not everybody does. Yeah, me too. Um, but I went to the grocery store the other day, just, like, getting some normal groceries, nothing crazy. <laughs> Everyone else was going crazy. There was this man, like walking very quickly down the aisle like on the phone shouting into his phone he's going there's no bread there's no bread and i was just like fuck man like i, I gotta get out of here like grab my case of beer ran for the door <laughs> so anyways um on that bright happy note yeah i'm in social uh, social isolation savannah's the first person i've seen in two days and i'm so sorry listen dear listeners savannah and i were supposed to record last weekend and instead of recording last weekend we literally talked on the phone for like six hours oh okay while we're talking about what a shit show the world is uh-huh savannah and i gotten very heated arguments with people on facebook that were being homophobic Oh my god. Listen, okay, wait, just as a preface, I don't know how much of this we're gonna cut out. I don't know how much of you- probably I'm gonna put in a warning and just be like- I'm gonna be like, listen, if you don't care about our personal lives, skip to this minute so that you don't have to listen to this if you don't want to. But there's something going on with a local college, um- BYU University. Um, but in case you haven't heard of it, it's just a local church-run university. Everyone's heard of BYU, Savannah. Okay, well, I don't know. It's like a thing. BYU's like a thing. I posted an article that was talking about how the policies that some of the policies that they have enforced recently, including reversing and then very quickly reinstating a ban that keeps any students who are in what they call same-sex attracted relationships that they they could be expelled or suspended and telling students to report other students. So I reposted an article um, that was just talking about how it, it it is hurtful to the LGBTQ community. And then I wrote my own article about my experiences when I was at BYU for two whole long-ass semesters. And oh my god, I was not expecting all the homophobes to pop up out of the woodworks, but they did. Um, and let, and- me just, let me just say, <laughs> okay, I hate posting on social media. <laughs> I don't see it gives me anxiety. I don't like as soon as I saw all of the comments on Savannah's page, I immediately was like, fuck everyone. She got on the supportive train so fast. And then all of our other we have a couple of other friends who also came out as gay, and it just was like this really heartwarming like thread of everyone just coming together. I hope, I hope, I hope that if there's anybody 
that's being impacted or that's still in the closet or that has come out and is not feeling support or anything, anything, anything like that, just know that Caitlin and I support you and we love you and we are not like, I don't know, I had a few people send me some comments that were like, hey, because of where we're at with like work or school or church or whatever, like we can't openly support you but we do support you and I really appreciated those people but that is not Caitlin and I we openly support you and if you ever need anything um or just some words of support please send us a message yes yes and we'll tell you how much you're loved speaking of the gays <laughs> Savannah, <laughs> did you yes. know that in this book chosen Damien and Jack are gay <laughs> I I, I never knew no one ever because pc and Kristen sure pointed out a lot this is caitlin's version of books this podcast is about books and we're talking about books now they don't actually contribute they're just the gay tokens they don't do anything but like gay around every once in a while and like i can relate to that i love it when they gay around book summary Bloodlust and dark forces are at work at the House of Night, and fledgling vampire Zoe Redbird's adventures at the school take a mysterious turn. Those who appear to be friends are turning out to be enemies, and, oddly enough, sworn enemies are also turning into friends. So begins the gripping third installment of this highly addictive series that's in quotes, thank you Romantic Times book reviews. (laughs) in which Zoe's mettle will be tested like never before. Her best friend Stevie Ray is undead and struggling to maintain a grip on her humanity. Zoe doesn't have a clue how to help her, but she does know that anything she and Stevie Ray discover must be kept secret from everyone else at the House of Night, where trust has become a rare commodity. Speaking of rare, Zoe finds herself in the very rare position of having three boyfriends and one creepy man friend a situation with the potential to spell social disaster then vampires start turning up dead really dead but as zoe and her friends find out things are not always as they seem okay they this was literally a whole synopsis of the book like (laughs) there was nothing left to the imagination that was the longest fucking Little description ever. That's the episode. You got our backstory. You got the book. The end. (laughs) See you next week. We're going to go drink now. I need this to cheer me up. I need to see another person's face. Do you know how? It's been two days. It's been two days and I'm already dying, guys. Two days. This is going to be like quarantine. Russian sleep experiment. We're going to come back tomorrow to record our next episode because we're idiots and we're behind on everything. And Caitlin's going to be like, twitch, twitch, twitch. <laughs> <sighs> I haven't seen this headlight in days. <laughs> Bloodlust. We open up the book. It's Zoe's birthday. Her birthday is Christmas Eve. And she is very adamant that she hates the gifts that tie both her birthday and Christmas in together. She Which is, I feel like is a normal thing that everyone knows about people whose birthdays are around Christmas. Yes. My dad's birthday is is Christmas. It's December 25th. And we always, like, specifically get him birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. We always make right. sure to, like, differentiate. But As you do as a normal human. She's all upset because she's celebrating her birthday without Stevie Ray because Stevie Ray is... Dead, but not dead. And she's dead a second time. I just want to... It's wanna, confusing. 
Go back and listen to the past episodes if you have no idea what oh, we're yeah, talking about. Guys, this is a sequel episode. What the fuck are you doing? Stop listening to this. <laughs> Don't listen to the other ones. So she's upset because Stevie Ray is not there for her birthday, and she's talking to Damien, and Damien says, you know how sensitive my people are to emotions, so you may as well just give up and tell me the truth. I sighed. You gays are freakishly intuitive. And then Damien says, that's us, homos, the few, the proud, the hypersensitive. Zoe says, isn't homo a derogatory term? Damien says, not if it's used by a homo. Caitlin. I would like you to express for our audience, with a counter, how many times I have either A, referred to myself or anyone else as a homo, and secondly, how many times I have been freakishly hypersensitive to any emotion at all. Literally the next two pages where we get these gems. I smiled and nodded appropriately as Damien went on and on about his quest for the perfect present. Usually, he wasn't so overtly gay. (laughs) Not that the fabulous Damien Maslin isn't actually gay. He totally is. (laughs) He's also tall, and she, like, describes him, and she's like, he's excellent boyfriend material, which he is, if you're a boy. He's not a fluttery actor acting gay. (laughs) But he talks about shopping and has girlish tendencies. And then she just goes on and on about how, like, Damien is gay. I love him for being gay. He's very gay. Here are some gay things he does. Shopping and being fluttery. And having a boyfriend, if you're a boy, because he's gay. Shawnee is... So Eric, Zoe's one of three boyfriends, comes in and and gives Zoe a kiss. And they're like, ew, birthday kisses. And Shawnee's like, yeah, like, I love you, but I don't want to kiss you. And Aaron, of course, has to say... Just please, with the same-sex kissing, Aaron said, as she grinned at Damien, who was gazing adoringly at Eric. I'll leave that to Damien. Huh? Damien said, clearly paying more attention to Eric's cuteness than the twins. Again, we say, Shawnee started. Wrong team, Aaron finished. Why is Damien always made out to be the predator? He is, like, consistently, through all of these books, Damien is made out to be, like, creepy because he might look at Eric, but Shawnee and Aaron say so many more inappropriate (laughs) things about Eric than Damien ever does. And that's okay because they're straight. I would just like to say that I am impressed with how they're able to simultaneously fetishize as well as make everyone creeped out by any gay character. Also, like, We referenced the lesbians once in the first book. Where did they go? Where are they? I know they exist. That's all I want in my life. We already have our token gay couple, Savannah. We don't need lesbians, too. (laughs) Oh, my bad. (laughs) Later on on that page, it says, With a flourish that only a gay boy can pull off, he reached into the man purse looped over his arm and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, You don't need to be that friend that's like, look, everyone, I have a gay friend. I love the gays. I'm not homophobic. I love the gays. Okay. And I promise, I promise, I know we're starting off heated. I promise we're going to take it down. There's some great stuff in the rest of the book. But directly on the next page, and this reeks, this reeks of after when we were setting the bar so low. Because Tessa is like, oh my god, I got drunk, and like, Zed didn't rape me. He's such a good guy. No, no, Tessa. <laughs> that is the you baseline for humanity. That. Yeah, you don't- No! No! <laughs> so, 
This is related because on the next page, and in every book since we've met Damien, Zoe points out that Eric is rooming, Eric, her, her boyfriend, is rooming with Damien. And she's like, Eric could have made a big deal about being stuck with a queer and could have gotten out of rooming with him and made Jack's life hell at the House of Night. But he didn't. He took him under his wing. Like, girl, he doesn't get points for not being homophobic. I'm sorry. We round out the birthday party with all of her friends have given her Christmas-themed items. In the middle of all of her Christmas-themed birthday gifts, though, just to keep up with the themes from the past books, Aphrodite literally shows up just to give her some mail. Just pops up. Mail call came for you. Immediately. Go away, Aphrodite, you hag, Shawnee said. <laughs> like, that is one consistent theme throughout all of these books. Anytime Aphrodite shows her face, someone is like, you slutbag ho, get out of here. This book does not deserve Aphrodite. But she really does doesn't. say some offensive shit later on, and I'll bring it up. So then we jump to Zoe goes to meet her grandma after all of her friends get really pissed at her because Heath sent her a gift. She goes to meet her grandma and her mom shows up. Now, remember her mom is married to some cult leader and they don't talk and they hate each other yeah it's just like this really weird fucking meeting with the three of them and it essentially boils down to zoe and her grandma want nothing to do with her mom and her stupid fucking husband her pedophile husband call back to book so one. i don't really want to get into this because it doesn't matter but like the only comment the the step loser the stepdad ends up showing up and he says shit along the lines of, it's good for a wife to submit unto her husband. So that's just, that's him. We're just going to put a pin in that. They'll come back wait, later. Wait. My favorite part was the birthday card that they got here, oh her, which was a Christmas card of a graphically crucified Jesus with, like, blood everywhere. No, and I, was I like, marked this. I'm going, hold on, let me. What kind of Christmas card? I have never seen a Christmas card like that. Like, maybe with the sign of the cross, but, like. There was a huge wooden cross on the front of the card, staked in the middle of a cross with a bloody nail, was an old-time scroll-like paper, written in blood, of course, were the words, he is the reason for the season. <laughs> Inside the card was printed in red letters, Merry Christmas. Below that, in mom's handwriting, it says, I hope you're remembering your family during this blessed time of year. Happy birthday. Love, mom and dad. <laughs> I'm sorry, but have you ever seen such an ominous Christmas card in your life? <laughs> like, I feel like Christmas is a happy time. Like, for Christians and non-Christians alike, it's like, this is not Easter. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're getting your Christian holidays mixed up, first of all. I Second would, of all. I wouldn't know. As a devout atheist, I have no idea. <laughs> you grew up in Utah, you fucking know. We come out of that meeting with her mom and her grandma says, Your mom's a weak woman who can only find her identity through a man, she said as she sipped her red wine. Unfortunately, she chose a really bad man. <laughs> You're right, grandma. You're I'd like to be Zoe's grandma. Right. I would like to be her when I grow up, sipping I'd my like, red wine. And I'd like to be Zoe's grandma in in Oklahoma, not in social confinement. We then find out that as Zoe's talking to her grandma, they're talking about Heath. And remember from the last book, Heath was attacked by Stevie Ray's group of vampires, and Zoe had to go save him. Well apparently the explanation that they came up with, because they obviously can't say it was the vampires, otherwise that would put humans on, like, high alert. 
they came it's kind up, of like the coronavirus. They just refer to it as quote unquote the serial killer thing. <laughs> A what serial killer thing? Like I want contact. I want to know how you thought that. Oh, later we find out that the supposed serial killer was a crazed homeless person because everything in this book is blamed by fucking homeless people. We just shit all over homeless people in this book. We'll get to that. But they really were about to get there. Hey, Savannah, take it away. The first thing I want to point out is that Zoe has very quickly, and I saw this from the first book, but Zoe has very quickly become the biggest Mary Sue to ever Mary Sue in the history of Mary Sue's. She has all five elements at her disposal at any time. She can do anything she fucking wants with them. She doesn't have to train. She just, like, calls them. She's like, air, come to me. And she, like, lifts people and throws them around, which we'll get to. <laughs> she is determined to track down her former best friend, Stevie Ray, and rescue her and point out that the headmistress of her school, Neferet, is evil. Really feeling it here. <laughs> Trying to find Stevie Ray. She's sniffing around because she can smell Stevie Ray. Mm -hmm. And it says, Still sniffing like a retarded dog. What? Zoe? Excuse me? Excuse me? Ma'am? <laughs> oh. Can we calm down the offensiveness, like, just a touch? Except we can't, and we won't. So, to continue. <laughs> Stevie Ray is drinking the blood of... Uh, well, here's what we get. I realized that Stevie Ray wasn't digging through the trash. She was biting a street person on the neck. What's a street person? You know, the people who walk on the street. Wait. No. Hmm. Like, Stevie Ray is feeding on this poor homeless woman. And Zoe is trying to interrupt this. But she's not trying to save the homeless woman. She says... <laughs> I'm not going anywhere until we talk, so let's go off. So let's so let go of that street person. Eesh, Stevie Ray. She probably has a lice and who knows what else. And let's talk. What? Followed up by, followed up by <laughs> Stevie Ray's like, don't you want some blood? And she's like, no, I do not want to bite that person. I don't even know where she's been. I gave the poor, wide-eyed, matted hair woman a weak smile. Uh, no offense, ma'am. Your friend is literally murdering this woman by the neck. Well, and then, so they just go on talking, and Zoe's trying to convince Stevie Ray to, like, come back to the House of Night with her, or, like, so that they can figure something out to protect Stevie Ray since Nefera is a fucking crazy bitch. But the conversation goes on for, like, three pages, and they never once mention the homeless woman again. Like, this homeless woman was literally bleeding out. Like, she was dying. She's just, like, bleeding out in the corner of the street. And they're all like, hmm, Stevie Ray, what? She's like, Stevie Ray, what if I get you some nice, like, country clothes? Like, <laughs> and she's, like, going off on these long inner monologues where she's, like, saying ridiculous things like, Stevie Ray wouldn't be comfortable spanking a puppy, let alone killing someone, as she literally kills someone. And she's like, what if I got you a pair of roper jeans and cowboy boots and a nice long sleeve tuck-in shirt that is very crisply ironed? And Stevie Ray's like, 
ooh, maybe. And meanwhile, this woman is just, like, bleeding out in between them. Quite frankly, this event is only topped by one other very offensive event that happens later on in the book. (laughs) That one has to deal with race and less to do with class. I know what you're talking about. So briefly, if we're bringing up moments of racism, Zoe keeps using the word nappy throughout the book to describe Stevie Ray's hair when it's not washed. Yeah. And I mean, like, obviously, I am a white woman. And so I don't have the authority to speak on reclaimed words for the black community. But I just like it made me feel gross inside. And like, just knowing that it's a word that's usually used in a derogatory way, especially from one white woman to another as she's saying like oh your hair hasn't been washed it's super nappy stevie ray like it just made me feel gross inside and it's not the only instance of racism so i felt like it was a good thing to bring up remember in the last book where erin pretended like she was black even though she's white because her best friend is a black woman I feel like we took that event of racism and then multiplied it by, like, 72, and then we got this book. Because <laughs> it gets worse, ladies and gentlemen. It yes. gets worse. In between our, in between our racial discourses, um, Eric and Zoe start having this conversation, and she's feeling a bit insecure. Whatever you do in teenage relationships. He's like, Z, do you have any clue what it's like to date a girl who is the most powerful fledgling in the history of vampires? And she's like, no, I don't date girls. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with lesbians. Yeah, she's got two gay friends. (laughs) She's got two of them now. And and then she just starts like slut shaming her boyfriend. (laughs) Like, honey. (laughs) She, he, she is bas- Eric is basically expressing to her, I feel like you really distanced yourself from me. Like, you, you barely let me touch you. And he was more so just saying it like a, I want to hold your hand and maybe kiss you sometimes kind of way. And she immediately was like, I'm still a virgin, Eric, and I'm not ready to change that. And he's like, I didn't say that. And she goes, sounds like you're getting me mixed up with your last girlfriend I interrupted. The one I saw on her knees in front of you trying to give you another blowjob. How dare you get more than one blowjob, Eric? How dare you? And he's like, why are you insinuating that all I care about is sex? That's not even the conversation that we're having. Right. And they they just had a conversation about bloodlust again also. And it's just like, can we just have one book? Can we have one singular book? Where we're not talking about blood play. Can I have one? I really thought book? I really thought that Caraval was going to be that for us, and it just like there weren't even vampires in that which one. Why, which is why I thought we were going to get that, but no. Then she starts drinking Eric's blood, and mm-hmm. then as she's consistently saying, "I'm no hoe like Aphrodite," I'm ignoring my hoeish tendencies. <laughs> These are direct um, quotes. <laughs> And then we have Lauren. Remember him as the hot teacher that was, like, weird flirting with Zoe? And we were like, you're gross. Um, Him, he comes and interrupts Eric and Zoe. And Eric... As she uses... As she uses the euphemism, Eric's eyes widen as he looks up and and then he smiled, which made him totally look like a little boy caught with his hand in a cookie jar. Apparently, my cookie jar. And I said, calm down. He only touched your boob. Like, you need... Your boob is not a cookie jar. (laughs) 
why the fuck is a teacher coming and interrupting students making out, <laughs> sir? They're not bothering anyone. They're and they're not on school. It's like it's not in between classes or anything like that. Like it's on right. break. Like school. School's it, it, on it's break. break. There's like hardly any. It's not like they're in the middle around. of the hallways. Right, exactly. Now we have Lauren, who's getting very upset, and Eric, who's getting very uh, territorial with Zoe. Geesh, they were oh acting God. totally guy-like, especially Eric. I swear I wouldn't have been surprised <laughs> if he knocked me over the head and started dragging me around by my hair, which was not an attractive <laughs> mental image. So he's not into the, the abusive <laughs> boyfriend thing? Yeah, after Eric almost looks like he's going to murder Zoe, uh, Lauren leaves, and Zoe is incredibly embarrassed, but Eric's not embarrassed. He's glad that Lauren saw them, and Zoe (laughs) goes, great, Eric was a kinky freak boy, and I was just now finding out. (laughs) And I was like, sim. (laughs) Uh, But then I'm a kinky freak boy, but then I'm just learning this about Eric. Eric points out that he does not like the way that Lauren looks me at Zoe, either. and you know what? Me either. Because you know what? He gets he gets very creepy. Zoe's trying to do research on how to make Stevie Ray not dead again. She's trying to bring her back to life and not undead. To undead to life, un- because to undead life, so live her. We're really not sure what's going on here. She's doing research, because I don't know. She's doing research on it. Books. Well, she's doing research on it because she had to end up in the library, because that is the only place that Lauren can ever find her. And they start having this conversation about professors dating students, and how, like, it's frowned upon, but, like, it happens, and that's okay. So they have, like, this very inappropriate conversation, and he's like, do you believe in that kind of attraction, Zoe? And then they just... Oh, and then he's like, I came back for your birthday, and then he gives her this pair of really fancy earrings. Like, it's so Mm -hmm. fucking weird. And the whole time Zoe's like, I'm trying for gay, carefree tone. Gay, (laughs) hee-hee. Yeah, she's trying to be all chill, though, and then- And he's like, over- Lauren's like, I didn't like seeing Eric's hands all over you, and I'm like, sir, Mm -hmm. you can't say this shit. That's her high school boyfriend, because she's a high schooler. And then all of page 78 and 79, I just wrote, like, ugh, in really big letters, because I hated it. Because then it was Lauren's turn for a birthday kiss, and then they start making out. And it was big yikes. Mm -hmm. And then he invites Zoe to come back to- big yikes. Big yikes. And he invites Zoe to come back to his apartment with her? With him? Sorry. Mm -hmm. So he's like, come back to my room with me. And he's like, if you, she says no, and he's like, well, if you change your mind, like, you know where I'll be. And then she says, like, in her head, her thought monologue, everyone knew the in-residence poet laureate. Laureate. I've heard it both ways. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's my line. Okay. Everyone knew the in-resident, uh, in-residence poet laureate, laureate, laureate. (laughs) Laureate. We're just gonna hop over it. Um, had the whole third floor of the professor's quarters building all to himself. More than once, I listened to the twins fantasize about wrapping up like giant presents and having themselves delivered to the Lerv loft, to the Lerv loft as they called it. 
I have so many I'm questions. Sorry. I have so many questions as to why they know where his room is. Because he's having sex with all the students? Is that why? Because that's creepy. That's creepy as fuck, Lauren. By the end of this chapter, Zoe's considering whether or not she's turned into a hoe. Um, but the jury is still mm-hmm. out. And uh, uh-huh. because we haven't gotten to we haven't gotten to her next makeout session yet. Because again, <laughs> this is a love square. There are three men vying for Zoe. Uh, as I like to say, she has two boyfriends and one creepy one man. Predator. Friend. You also get everyone making fun of Damien's language <laughs> throughout all of it. But my favorite is it's on page eighty four. When Damien uses the word incorrigible, (laughs) and Shawnee and Aaron are like, twin, I forgot, what does incorrigible mean? I do believe it means that we're hotter and sexier than a whole herd of corages, Aaron said, still bumping and grinding. (laughs) (laughs) What is a corage? Okay, question of the week. It's early on, but please, tell us, what do you think a corage is? (laughs) Is it an animal? Is it a person? It... Please, please draw me a picture. Aphrodite pops up again. Literally just appears. Aphrodite, you are a hateful hag from hell, Shawnee says. <laughs> well, and th- so she comes into play again because remember, so they do, they cast circles to summon the elements. And all of her friends indicate a certain element. Stevie Ray used to be Earth, but then she died. So now they don't have someone to take over that element. Aphrodite literally comes out of the woodwork and was like, Here I am! I now have an affinity for Earth. (laughs) And they're all fucking... Here I am! This is me! Yeah, you're right. It's It's me. nowhere else on Earth. It's me that likes to sing. Did you listen? I used to have a CD of that soundtrack, the horse movie. Do you remember? The horse movie? Yeah, the one called Spirit. Oh, and it's like I never saw that. The wild horse. And then when was I was like in college, tamed, but all <laughs> I used to hook up with someone who was obsessed with the movie Spirit, and he would wait. Who was he would it? like? I mean, I'll cut out the name, into, but who was it? Put it into like a VCR, oh, no. and like we would like watch Spirit. That's it. Okay, hold on. You mean to tell me, (laughs) while hooking up with you, tried to put spirit on his VCR? Like, like things hadn't started yet. It would be like it'd be like a Netflix and chill, but it was like a spirit and chill for him. We are talking about the cartoon horse movie, correct? We are. (laughs) You know what? Like sometimes you just want (laughs) to. Sometimes you just want to get your muffin buttered. <laughs> that means that you, that you have to watch Spirit to get yours. That was my favorite movie when I was 10. <laughs> I can't help it. What am I, I've never even seen the movie before. I don't know how heartwarming it is. I wanted to be like, now. Uh, I wanted to be like, now we have to watch it, but I don't want to watch. I want you to watch it alone. <laughs> Look, I was like, I was like 18. Okay, sorry. Books. We learned that Aphrodite has the affinity for Earth. There's this whole debate on whether or not Aphrodite will be allowed to rejoin the Dark Daughters and Sons. We land on, yes, Aphrodite will be joining the Circle. And also that all of Zoe's friends need to stop calling Aphrodite a hag, which I feel like (laughs) is a good 
compromise. Zoe's talking about how, like, she feels uncomfortable around humans because they feel uncomfortable around her because they're scared that, like, she's going to turn them. And she's like, please, it's the House of Night, not Hogwarts. Yes, I read the Potter books and love the movies. Yes, that's more proof of my geekness. <laughs> Zoe's <laughs> so like, fun and quirky. Oh my gosh. I was like, the Potter books. <laughs> Aphrodite and Zoe end up teaming up on what to do with Stevie Ray because Aphrodite keeps having all of these visions. So she knows that Stevie Ray is not actually dead. So... Aphrodite basically offers to keep Stevie Ray in her parents' apartment that's, like, attached to their house. They describe it as servant quarters, um, but I'm pretty sure they just meant slave and just didn't say slave. Um, So Uh they just put Stevie Ray up in this room and she has cable and she can entertain herself and whatever um, you know where where the the slave servants live because as aphrodite points out later on dependable illegals are really hard to find let's all just ruminate on that for a second this kind of reminds me of did you ever see the clip of kelly osborne where she was talking about she was trying to make a point against trump like this was when he was talking about how uh this was back back in the 2016 election where he had made comments, something along the lines. Dark times. Right. Still dark times, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, but uh, Trump was using the rhetoric of, like, Mexicans are bad people. All Hispanics are bad people. Right. All Latino. Like, they're all drug dealers and rapists. Yes. And, yeah, and Kelly yeah, Osborne was trying to make a point against that. But instead, she said something along the lines of, like, Mr. Trump, who else do you expect to clean your toilet? Oh, I oh, I forgot about that. Where it's just like oh, where no. it's just like you are bringing up the point that people complain about immigrants but then expect them to do their dirty work even though a lot of them have made it into the country because they're like 50 million times smarter than yeah, they're you are educated and have a higher education. And yes. Um but you still expect them to do your dirty like you're bringing up that point in such a horrible racist way. Good job. Xenophobic. Everyone. Yeah. Um, so anyways, moving on from dependable illegals. Uh, I do love Aphrodite is just like, I love how she points out, I think your group needs a pessimist, she said. Directly after which she and Stevie Ray start arguing and Zoe's like, both of them need a good spanking. And I'm like, what the is this book's obsession with spanking? It has happened like five times. Like, this book is dedicated to PC cast students. She's like, for all my students who want me to write them. And I'm like, your students are reading these books. And there are I'm going some to bring really up strange that undertones point. going on here. I'm going to bring up that point later on. But first, I just want to point out Stevie Ray has to feed on human blood. It's okay if it's not directly from the source, but it has to be human blood. So Aphrodite and Zoe have been sneaking out bags of blood to her. This is not Twilight. (laughs) They're sneaking out bags of blood to her, and Zoe's completely horrified watching her, like, bite into these bags. And I just got really upset because Zoe's completely horrified to watch Stevie Ray drink blood from a bag but she didn't bat an eye when she was murdering a homeless woman 
Yeah, well, Zoe doesn't have a huge affinity for the street people, so... <laughs> she does for spirit, though! I hate everything. Um, We then come to something that me as an atheist could not actually speak on, but I'm pretty sure this is very sacrilegious. Oh, Zoe and Aphrodite stumble upon a body... Her body was nailed grotesquely to a crude wooden cross that was resting against the wall. They'd not just nailed her wrists and ankles, they'd also driven a thick wooden stake through her heart. They'd also cut off her head. Professor Nolan's head. It got dark so quick. So quick. I feel like if you're murdering someone you hate, you don't. Like, make them into right. the icon of Christ? Right. I don't know. That's just right. the thought that I... I, I, you, I you were right. Neferet decides that one of the traumatized teenagers who found the murdered and decapitated body of their professor <laughs> is the only one still together enough to return with them to yeah, the body. So I'm like, bitch, why can't the student just be like, hey, there's a body on the wall. You just turned 17. You're practically an adult. Let's go see the dead body again. They know that it was done by the people of faith. They know that the murder was done by the people of faith. And that's the thing that her stepdad is involved in. So she's, like, convinced that her stepdad has something to do with it, which, like, probably is a good guess, um, especially in this book. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, conjecture is hard. Let's just kind of, let's just kind of recap where Zoe's at in her life. Um, she has three boyfriends. Um, she has Eric, who she just can't stop cheating on. She has Lauren, her professor, who's uh, being creepy with and also being very inappropriate with. And then she has Heath, who she knows that she should break up with, but, like, hasn't yet because he hasn't gotten back from his vacation. Um, her, She's lying to all of her friends because she hasn't told them that Stevie Ray is not actually dead. So they're all still traumatized by that fact, and she knows that she's not dead yet is not telling them that. Um, and... She also is now becoming friends with Aphrodite, and she hates Neferet. So, Zoe says... Then she finds her dead professor. Then she finds her dead professor. Zoe says, My life seriously sucked. Plus, I was probably depressed. Didn't depressed people sleep for, like, ever? Like, probably you are depressed, but also you're not, because you're Zoe, and you're the biggest Mary Sue ever. Mary Sues don't get bogged down by things like PTSD and depression. No, instead, they are made sandwiches by their creepy man friends. Um, so Lauren shows up. She's like, oh, I'm so weak and sad, which... I don't know why I'm saying it in that tone, because we just went through her life, and, like, she should be. We can say <laughs> but But also, girlfriend, stop cheating on your boyfriend. Like, that would get away- that would get rid of, like, half of your problems. So he shows up. He makes her some food. He's, like, saying these sexual things, like, don't worry, I'll be gentle with you. Ooh. And I'm like, fuck, man, she's traumatized. Leave her alone. And then on the next page- I happen to adhere to the belief that some rules were meant to be broken. Yeah, and some make you a pedophile, Lauren. So maybe just think about that before you start, like, smiling slow and sexy. Meanwhile, you have Zoe making comments in her inner monologue like, I lifted one shoulder like I couldn't give a good poop about Aphrodite. Her lack of swearing is actually annoying. So then we get the reappearance of Heath. 
mm-hmm. because again, this is a love square. Um, so mm-hmm. Heath shows up. She's intending to break up with him. She's intending <laughs> to break up with him. But and to get there, she fucking turns herself invisible. I was like, okay, you can master all five elements. You can turn invisible. Like, <laughs> what can you not do? Like. Girl, why can't you just, like, murder Neferet? Like, just light her on fire or some shit. I don't know. Drown her. Like, I don't understand why she has complete control over all of these elements and can fucking turn invisible and she's scared of anyone. And they're having this conversation and Heath is, like, not ready to let their relationship go. She's like, I don't think that we can see each other anymore. And then Heath does the thing he often does where when Zoe threatens to break up with him, (laughs) he cuts himself so that she has to drink his blood. And he says... You know, like a healthy relationship. She's, like, trying to prevent herself from drinking his blood to further their imprint. And Heath says, make the pain go away, Zoe. For both of us, drink from me and stop the burning before I can't stand it anymore. Rape Also, keep in mind, he's just, like, slashed a line down the side of his fucking neck. I was like... Um, maybe grab something like your, your forearm or like the, I don't, I don't know. I'm just like that. Like you're going to die one of these days. Forearms are not as sexy as necks. And, uh, as the two very, very stereotypical black men say, as they pop right on into this scene, which is so incredibly racist. Yeah, bitch, ride them. Make them hurt so good. (laughs) That little white boy don't have nothing for you. I'll give you something you can really feel. And then two black guys were just a few feet away and getting closer to us. They were wearing the stereotypically ridiculous sagging pants and stupid oversized down coats when I bared my teeth at them and hissed their expressions changed from sneers to shock. Why, Kristen and PC? Why? Why? She is like... She gets so upset that she flings her hands out, calls air to her, and sweeps them away, throwing them in front of a car, and fucking murders them. She doesn't even- And a truck hits them and they die. She doesn't even flinch when the truck hits them. We have the homophobia. We have the slut-shaming. We have the student-teacher relationship. Why do we need racism as well? You know, like- Zoe does not give two shits. No, you're right. Like, go off. Thanks, I will. <laughs> and Heath is, like, trying to get her to leave because he's, like, the like the people are going to show up here soon and they're going to suspect the vampires. You need to leave. And mm-hmm. he's trying to protect her and does not even bat an eye that she just murdered two men. Nope. And she's like, okay, bye, babe. I love you. And he's like, wow, cool, Zoe. I love you, baby. The next page, she says... What in the hell had happened to me? I'd been drinking Heath's blood and having a horny good old time. Jeesh, I was becoming a hoe bag. And then those men had started messing with us. And it was like something inside of me freaked and changed from regular Zoe to psycho killer vampire Zoe. Zoe, why? Why are you like this? (laughs) Stevie Ray is steadily declining throughout the entire book. She needs way more blood than a normal person. Zoe is trying to heal her. Uh, we don't really care. But she does uh, She does decide that she can still confide in this undead Stevie Ray because she just completely blurts out to her, Professor Nola was killed last night and it looks like some of the people of faith crucified her and chopped her head off and left her out by the trapdoor on the east wall with a lovely note about her not suffering 
A witch to live. About not suffering a witch to live. That's a weird sentence. Um, I think that mm-hmm. my step loser might be involved, but I can't say anything about it because my mom is covering for him, and if I rat, rat him out, she'll probably go to jail forever. I just sucked Heath's blood and got interrupted by some gang wannabes who I think I might have sort of accidentally killed, and Lauren Blank and I have been making out. So how was your day? She's so blasé. so much going on. Damn, like, girl. Can you like, imagine? getting some therapy. All of these characters would be better if they had therapy and that's all i have to say can you imagine how exhausting it would be to be zoe's friend <laughs> like bitch can you imagine how exhausting it would be to be zoe's therapist is this why our therapist ghosted us i don't want to talk about it it's still raw <laughs> <laughs> listen all i'm gonna say is that we had a therapist caitlin and i were seeing the same therapist because we're extra like that our therapist made a comment to me at one point <laughs> That I thought was funny because I'm bad at acknowledging my emotions. And I made fun of him to Caitlin. And Caitlin (laughs) fucking told him (laughs) that I made fun of him for this activity he was trying to make me do. And I, which is not encouraged, like, do the activities your therapist gives you. Like, respect your therapist. I, I was my bad, but Caitlin fucking told him about it. And he fucking ghosted me. And I have not seen him since. <laughs> so then, in a karmic turn of events... But I didn't realize... Caitlin... I didn't... To be completely honest, I just don't think I fully understood the context of the conversation. Because I got the impression that they were joking around. So then when she was telling me this, I was trying to make he a joke. Joking. I was trying to make a joke during my session. And then I quickly realized this was a really bad idea to <laughs> Which, mind you, I love how he spent, like at least three months pretending that he couldn't release information about who he was seeing when both of us are like, son, we both talk about you to each other. Like, we know that you're seeing my, I know that you're seeing my friend. (laughs) Anyway, in a karmic turn of events, he also ghosted her. So hopefully you're all right out there. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew. (laughs) I feel like that's a generic name, right? We're not ousting anyone. Oh, anyway books they have a full moon ritual Mm -hmm. for the dark daughters which is the first time that aphrodite is jumping in with this and and eric starts being in a lot of pain but he doesn't die he turns into a full full-blown adult vampire so oh no he has to leave the house of night and we're striking a boyfriend off of zoe's list of boyfriends after that ritual zoe's having a really emotional time because of all of the things going on and Lauren being the gentleman that he is wants to comfort her and make her feel better. So naturally he off, slices, uh, he puts a knife across his chest and he starts bleeding and Zoe starts sucking his blood and then they break the imprint with Heath and then they have sex. Like what the fucking fuckity fuck Lauren? Like, yeah. Yeah. Why? They have. Why? Naturally, as they're laying there naked on the floor, that is the moment that Eric comes walking in. So, mm-hmm. Eric sees them in yep. a very compromising position. <laughs> what was that? Are you Brazilian? I would like you two to come have a threesome with me. <laughs> we, context, dear listeners. Uh, Savannah and I went to a drag show this one time. And as we were leaving, this guy approached us. Mind you, Savannah and I were 
completely shit-faced at this point. Like, both of us should have gone home and gone to bed. We had too many of a drink called a fuck bucket, if that gives you any indication. Yes. And I can- now I can't go anywhere near pineapple ever again. But we're making this drag show and this guy comes up to us and we were talking- we were- it started from my Gru accent. We were trying to mimic this accent, and this guy comes up to us and asked if we were from Brazil. And we were like, yes, we are from Brazil. <laughs> like, and we, we were like, like no. Nah, bro. Nah, no, thanks. thanks. Good times. Um, Good times. Um, unlike the times that Zoe is having, because she realizes very quickly that Lauren had sex with her in order to get information from her about what she knew about all of these undead vampires, including Stevie Ray. Lauren's actually sleeping with Neferet, and they have a, a devious, evil plan together to... I don't... We don't even know what they're trying to fucking do at this point. They're just evil. So she essentially tells Lauren everything that she's been keeping a secret, because now that they're imprinted, she feels like she can trust him, but then she walks in on him having sex with Neferet... Right afterwards, so she's having this conversation with Eric, um, and she's like, I never meant to hurt you, whatever, which is a crock of bullshit. But then he's like, <laughs> he's like, a full crock pot of bullshit. He's like, I, and she's like, I didn't want you to find out like that. And he says, yeah, he said coolly, finding out my girlfriend who has been playing oh so innocent with me is really a slut would have been no problem if you'd, I don't know, advertised it in the school paper. Yeah, that would have been way better. And she's like, I flinched at his hateful tone. I'm not a slut. And he said, looked like you were doing a good imitation of one. Oof. Big oof. It's really, like, they're all, they're all bad. They're all bad is the point that I'm making. Also, the fact that when she tells her, when her friends find out that she was tricked by this professor into having sex with him and that he manipulated her into thinking that he had feelings for her, they are pissed at her for keeping secrets and i they're also upset that she didn't tell them about stevie ray which i i get but also like the fact that their instinct is to slut shame her when obviously she has been manipulated and like groomed by this professor in a really disgusting way well and they're like Shawnee and Aaron are like, all of the times that we talked about how we wanted to get with Lauren, like, you must have thought that we were ridiculous because, like, you were actually doing it. And, um, yeah, they're feeling embarrassed about it instead of being right. pissed that this professor is having sex with a 17 year old. Like, well, and, and, her friends are also upset because at this, like, during this period, Stevie Ray also walks in. So, because Lauren <laughs> took her phone and texted Stevie Ray from it. So, you also have her friends being absolutely, like, appalled that Zoe would keep that as a secret. Which, that part is fair. But, yeah, they completely slut-shame her. And Aphrodite is literally the only one to stick up for her. And Eric says... Because we love her, because she's amazing. And Eric says, she's a lying slut. She used all of you just like she used me. All right, time for you to shut up now, Aphrodite said. Eric laughed. Oh, <laughs> that's perfect. One slut standing up for another. And she said, you do not want to piss me off anymore. You claim to care so much for Zoe, but you've turned on her like a mangy-ass dog because she hurt your little eagle ego. And I can verify for the masses <laughs> that it is little. Now, 
Can I just tell you when I was when I was fighting with all of those homophobes on Facebook, I chan I channeled my inner Aphrodite and you my really inner did. Aphrodite just like came out. I was really proud of you. And Thanks. in conclusion, Aphrodite is my daughter. You are my daughter. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I mom you more than you mom me. <laughs> um I don't think that's true. I think we both equally mom each other. Um, in conclusion, fucking the ending of the book is Lauren is also murdered by, yeah, right. Lauren Excellent. is also his, I can't, by he's me. not, I he's not him. on a cross. He's like, isn't he like pinned to the gates or something like that? I don't know. We don't care. I don't he's care. He's murdered. Thank fucking God. Mm-hmm. Zoe has a confrontation with Neferet where they just have a weird face off moment and yay, the book is over. You know, all of this talk about the people of faith, it just kind of, like, brings back some memories for me. Um, Savannah, do you remember the time that we jokingly went to the Scientology church because we were curious? (laughs) And every day when I get a fucking email from Brittany Mom, (laughs) (laughs) we got... No, let me just describe to you the context in which Savannah and I made this decision to go to the Scientology church. We were in, this was before we lived together, we were having a night where we decided to watch shitty Netflix Christmas movies, specifically that one with <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens where she, the oh, you're right. we had the mimosas, we had the mimosas, yeah. we were eating beignets, and we decided that we were curious about <laughs> the Scientology church, Savannah was fresh off of her Mormon mission, it had been like, I don't know, like, it, like six months or something, and, <laughs> and we were like, you know, it would be fun if we went to the Scientology church, like, I want to know how they get people. So we went, we totally went. So bright and early 10 a.m., we go to the Scientology church, and we, they made us watch these videos. I was just trying to keep it together and not laugh, because I was like, if we laugh, then they will know. Right. They will know, and right. they will keep us in their little basement. Mind you, when we first where they the keep doors, people. The, the fr- <laughs> you're just gonna throw that accusation out there. <laughs> Just sorry, Scientologists who are listening the record, to this podcast. We did not actually see the people locked in the basement. <laughs> I felt what them. we did see was the first lady that we met when we came through the door. We were like, "Oh yeah, like we're just." It was right. It was the new year. It was last year, right around the new year. And we were like, "Oh yeah, we just were like looking, you know, new year, new me type of thing." Because they're asking why we came, <laughs> and we're just like spewing bullshit, right? And. <laughs> lady was like oh my gosh that is so amazing i'm so happy to see you two girls like you that are ready to progress themselves and really push forward and i came to scientology about eight months ago and ever since then my typing has been so fast <laughs> we were like what i type so fast <laughs> okay and then, and then we were like this is fun. like this is weird but then the lady who was showing us around was like okay well like that's the end of this here but like do you guys want to come back and do personality tests and we were like and we were like fuck, fuck yes, yes. <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> so we made appointments to do personality tests and then we told our family about what we were doing and they all lost their shit on us um Mm-hmm. so <laughs> they were like do you know how dangerous these organizations right. are like they're gonna take your house right. away they're gonna sue you and i was just like whoa whoa 
my final thoughts were just uh, remembering back to the time that me and Savannah jokingly try. I don't even think we could say that we were jokingly trying to join a cult. We just got really curious. Well, and unfortunately, that was not the first or last um, cult debacle that we had that year. But that's a story for another time. And oh my uh, God, right. <laughs> later we will talk about how um, what's the movie we, later we will talk about how the greatest showman soundtrack was spoiled for us forever okay so my final thoughts are that Aphrodite and Zoe should date <laughs> I'm just there's times where they have very like sexually charged arguments and I was like you know what I ship it um, besides that I'm just so upset that there's so many of these books but I remain super entertained so y'all buckle up for the next one yeah there wasn't a whole lot of content that we had to get to but to be completely frank with you not a lot happens in this book so i'm sorry it was mostly me bitching about how um i don't know if you guys know this but uh i'm being quarantined right now and (laughs) it's really tough for me no one has heard day two everyone it's day two our listeners (laughs) When they talk about, like, solitary confinement being, I don't know, cruel and unusual punishment, like, Caitlin is exhibit A. And I have cats and, like, room to move and free will and Netflix and all of those And literally we never stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, with that, um, you know, guys, our question of the week, we already said it. What is a courage? So thank you, everyone, who has written us any sort of comments, replies, fan mail, reviews. We really appreciate it. Um, just remember, I saw review on Apple Podcasts is super helpful. It's a way that you can support us without giving any money. And uh, fan mail makes us happy inside. About it makes you. us so, so happy. <laughs> so, yes. So this one is from Robin. She says, hi, Caitlin and Savannah. I just finished your episode on After We Collided by Anna Todd. Loved it. I fangirl just a little when you guys mentioned my post on your Instagram, but I lost my shit laughing when you read my friend Michael's email at the end of the episode. You were right. We are friends. <laughs> LOL. I randomly... Dis- I'm so glad. <laughs> um, I randomly discovered your podcast on Spotify because I was looking for book review podcasts and it suggested yours, uh, which is awesome. I introduced Michael to it, and now we can't wait for the episodes to come out, um, and we started reading along with you guys. We are both middle school teachers and read a lot of poorly written YA, so it's hysterical to hear other people who has the who have the same problems as we do um, with... Wow, sorry. It's so hysterical to hear other people who has some of the same problems we do with how these books are written. Keep up the great work, Robin. Um so, Robin, thank you, we love you so Robin. much. Also, <laughs> you and Michael are doing God's work being middle school teachers because middle school was the worst time of my life. And uh, except for maybe right now that I'm in confinement and might have coronavirus, but. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Book recommendation for this week. I just want to go off on one of my favorite authors, Maggie Stiefvater. Love everything that she's done. Scorpio Races was the first book I read. The Raven Boys. The series is called The Raven Cycle. Um, and she just has an incredibly unique way with words. Uh, she has a standalone called All the Crooked Saints as well. Um, so anything that Maggie Stiefvater has written, I love her. She is the queen of words and cars and 
magic and mythology, and her Twitter is hilarious and very therapeutic if you're having concerns about the coronavirus <laughs> or anything else. Um, so go follow her on Twitter as well as support and buy her books because I still go back and read them to this day. Uh, the Raven Cycle series is about a group of kids who, um, the main character, Blue, is cursed so she lives in a house with her aunts and her mother, and they read tarot cards and are psychics, and um, she ends up meeting a group of boys from this wealthy school nearby, and they go on an adventure trying to find this mysterious dead Welsh king. And it's just, there's some great represent, you have some great queer representation as well. Everything is perfect, and I love her. That's all. Yeah. My non-book recommendation is This Podcast Will Kill You. It is by Aaron and Aaron, and I can't remember their last names, but they're both named Aaron. And they it's on the Exactly Right <laughs> Network. It's a big podcast. I'm sure you've probably heard of it, but if you haven't, go listen to it. It is so therapeutic to listen to. They just talk about diseases, and they just give you the breakdown, and they tell you what the disease is, what it does, what it looks like. They give you the historical background of it. It's just, it was all of the information I didn't know I needed or wanted, and I just really enjoy it. <laughs> Very on point for yes. this week. I like it. Um, so with that, uh, give us a follow on Instagram at Worst Thing We Read. A follow on Twitter at Worst T-H-N-G We Read. And send us an email at Worst Thing We Read at Gmail. And we will see you next week. Not with our eyes. But with, but our, with mouths. our mouths. <laughs>